0: on your seat so that you can fill out your, your, your note sheet as you go along. We're going to get to it quick this morning so we can get to the food. So we're going to get our spiritual food, then we're going to eat our eat our natural food. I've seen you in a minute. You're looking so cute with your hair all natural. Looking kind of serious. Oh, she got her mama's eyebrows like, what you what you looking at? <laughs> yes. All right, do you know the name of the person sitting on your left and the person sitting on your right? Let's do our smiling exercises. Everybody smile real big. Show us all your 32s, your 22s, your 10s, whatever you got left or whatever you borrowed or you've purchased. Just show us what you got. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's get ready for our spiritual food. The spiritual word of God is about to go into our spirit. Amen. So hold on to your note sheet. Let's hold it up and let's make our faith declaration. All right, say this with me. Say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to hear and apply his word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I am becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. I'm becoming everything the haters say I could never be. So after today, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Come on, slap three people high five and say there's a new season coming your way. Amen, amen, amen. All right, well, let's open up our note sheets and let's get right to the word. Amen. We are focused this year, the entire year, on fruitfulness tremendous fruitfulness, Amen. to get to the place where we are bearing fruit. Our God is glorified. Our Father is glorified when we bear much fruit. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will by my Father and it shall be done. He says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. He said, there may be some areas of your life that you're bearing good fruit. But then there may be some areas of your life that are barren. Say barren. Not barren, it's just, there's just, it's just dry. You're not bearing fruit in that area. See, God wants us to be well-rounded, amen? He wants us to bear fruit in every area of our life so we become well-rounded. We, we have what's called whole-life prosperity that we're prospering in our mind, in our body, in our spirits. He says in Third John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things, listen to this, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So that he wants your mind, your will, your intellect, your imagination, your emotions. He wants all that to be prospering. Or really to the degree that you, that you prosper in your soul, you'll prosper in every other area. So you've got to get your mind going right. Amen? You've got to be thinking right. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what are you thinking about yourself? What is the picture, the mental picture you have of yourself? What is the lens that you see the rest of the world through? Is it by some old hurt, some old hang-up, some old issue, something that happened years ago? Come on, are you judging everything by something that happened way in your past? Amen. we got to get a really good self-image so that we can live out our purpose in life. Amen. You can't live out of a brokenness. God heals us everywhere that we're hurt. Amen. We have a God who heals us absolutely everywhere that we hurt. Amen. All right, so we're focused on bearing fruit this year, tremendous fruitfulness. And this month in particular, we're looking at a new season, moving into a new season. How many of you know God will do a new thing in your life? And uh, when, you, when you get to one season in your life where, you know, you think you're, you're good, God is always calling us upward. That's why he calls it the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He calls it the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, it's one thing I do, forgetting what's behind I press on, I press on towards the, for the call of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The prize, actually it's the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So he's calling you up, y'all. He's calling you up to a new season, calling you up to a new level. And it's going to require change. We don't like change. We'd like to stay in where we're comfortable. But if we'll move out from where we're comfortable, how many of you know, once you move out of where it's comfortable into a place that's uncomfortable, pretty soon this becomes comfortable. You get comfortable with it. So you have to stretch yourself. And it might be weird. It might feel uncomfortable for a bit. But just hang out. Just stay there and stretch into the next place that God is calling you to. So let's see what the Bible says about seasons. Ecclesiastes 3.1. To everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And I heard God tell me to tell you this morning, it's just a season. season. You're thinking, is it always going to be like this? I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. Somebody is struggling with something you're saying, is it always going to be like this? Am I always going to have this issue? Am I always going to have this problem? God says, it's just a season. It's just a season. That means a season comes and a season goes. Amen. So, so uh, the summer solstice was earlier this week, which means that the, it was the longest day of the year. So days were getting longer and longer and longer until we got to that day. Now days will slowly start getting shorter and shorter and shorter as the sun moves or or the earth moves and rotates on its axis until we get into the fall months, right? So summer, you know, has peaked sun-wise. So so that, it has peaked and now we're headed towards another season. Amen. Amen. Do you see that? So you're headed towards another season. I came to tell you today, you're headed towards another season. If you can embrace it, there's another season coming. Do not stay in an expired season in your life. You've been in that old place long enough. I feel the Spirit of God this morning. You have been in that old place long enough. You haven't gotten to the place where you've had it yet. You've got to get to the place where you have had it. Too comfortable. Too comfortable in an old season. But God is saying, if you'll embrace it, you're moving into a new season. He says, for everything, there's a season. And a time for every purpose. And this season has had a purpose in you. Whew! There's some seasons I've walked through. since I wish I never had to walk through them. But I would not be the woman that I am today if I had not walked through them. I'm telling you, he can take a tired, worn-out, horrible situation and season, and turn it into something beautiful. Turn it into something amazing. Amen, amen, amen. So look at number one. God will usher us into a new season. That's what I want you to know this morning. You're not going into that season by yourself. You have a shepherd. His name is Jesus. The Holy Spirit, He's walking you into the, into that He, He makes me to lie down in the green pastures. He leads me by the still waters. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days in my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, I got a, I got a shepherd, Jehovah Rohi. He's walking me in. He's ushering me into that next season. I got a guide. I'm not by myself, but I got a comforter. I got a paracletos. I got the power of the Holy Ghost beside me and he's walking me. He's ushering me. And don't even get me started on the angelic entourage that goes before me and prepares the way. He's already gone before me and made the crooked places straight. He's already straightening some things out. He's lifting up everything that's too low and he's bringing it down if it's too high. I'm telling you, we got a God who will usher you into his goodness. Usher you into the next season. You are not by yourself. Do not take the lie of the devil that says you are by yourself and you're the only one going through this. That's a lie. Don't you listen to to it you got a God who's with you who I'm Jehovah Shammah I am the Lord who is present come on even when they throw you in the fire and it's seven times hotter I'll just get in there with you and walk around it's just for a season you're gonna come out you're not even gonna smell like smoke you will not look like where you have been hallelujah Isaiah 43 19 behold I will do a new thing now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I'll do whatever it takes to get you to that new season. I have a way. He says, I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. Woo, I'm telling you, God is on your side. And when you get to it, you're going to say, you to look back and say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I never would have made it to right here. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. All right, Mark. Uh, okay, so number two, we have to choose to receive it. See, you can choose to stay right where you are. You can choose to go back to your old habits, your old ways. You can choose to to just stay in that mess. And your life is never going to change. You have to choose. I am choosing this new thing. I am sticking with it. I'm going with God and I'm not going back. What's the old song say? I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Look, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. You got to get the quit out of you and decide. I'm going to receive this new season. There's nothing for me back there. It's like when Ruth got ready to to either go back to Moab or go with her 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 broke down old, old mealy mouth uh, talking trash mother in law into Israel. I can go with her into Israel. I can go back to my old life. You know what? I'd rather hang out with this broke down woman than go back to my old life. There's nothing in that old life for you. Listen to me today. There's nothing for you in that old life and those old friends that have just got bad stuff on there, but they don't have anything good for you. Why? You can't hang it. Darkness has, light has no fellowship with darkness. I can't hang out with the drug dealers and think I'm going to stay clean. The new season, and I'm accepting it. I'm embracing it. That means you've got to turn your back on the stuff that's behind you. That's why the rear view is small and the windshield is big. Amen, because we've got to focus. We're moving forward. All right, Mark 2.22 says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine bursts the wineskins and the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new, new wineskins. So You've got to choose to be a new vessel. We're made for more than just to exist. God's got a plan for something more for your life than just to exist. So we have to decide to be the kind of vessel that God can pour the anointing in for this generation. God, I'm the kind of vessel you're doing a new thing. We can't reach this generation the way we reached the last generation. This is a whole new crop of folk. Amen. So I got to choose to have a new mind. I got to choose to have a new attitude, a new mindset to, to move and shift with God. How are we going to do this, God? Amen. So decide to be a new vessel, a new person that God can pour the anointing in for this season. Amen. Amen. All right. So now let's look at number two. We're marked in our generation. And so number one, we know God will bring us into a new season and we are in a new season right now. Here we are in this building. Here we are. Um, we, we have our sign up. We are people are coming. We are, we are here on assignment acceleration church. We know what our assignment is. Our assignment is to teach faith. To this generation. I know what it is. I have the same assignment that my that my pastor had before me. The same assignment as my bishop. I know that I'm here to teach people how to use their faith. And how to rise above their circumstances. Amen. There is a cause. Number one. There is a cause. We are marked in our generation. The Bible says. But you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You've been called out of darkness. And into his marvelous light. You've been called out. Out. Of darkness and into his marvelous light. So you gotta stay out of the darkness. You're called into light. Amen. I, there's nothing in the darkness for me anymore. I've been called out of the darkness into his marvelous light. He said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you. I anointed you. I scheduled you for such a time as this. I put you in the earth for right now on purpose. You're marked. You've been marked by God. You're special. You're something awesome. And think about people in the Bible who were marked for the generation. Look at David. David was marked among his brothers. But yet, his brothers and his father didn't even think he was worthy to be called to the anointing party. When Samuel came, the prophet Samuel came to anoint the next king of Israel. He knew it was going to be a son of Jesse. He called for all the sons. So all the sons passed before him. He's like, no, it's not him. The big, strong one, taller than the rest, good looking. He says, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. He said, God said, it's not him. After they'd all passed by, he said, is this all of them? He said, well, there's just this one left. But he, you, you, we know it's not him. Just Trust us. We know it's not him. He's, he's a smart aleck. He's just a little redheaded guy out. At, he's keep, he keeps the sheep. He said, we will not sit down to eat till he comes in soon as David walked in, he said, this is him. All right. This is him. The, out from among the high society. Out from among the ones who are college educated and that kind of thing. He chooses the foolish things to confound the wise because he's God. But you've been marked in your generation. David was marked to be king. The giant Goliath challenged the armies of Israel. The Philistine armies challenged israel there was a cause look at look at what david said in first samuel 17 29 his brother he because david 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 was david thought he was all that (laughs) because he was he came and told saul he said look you know i took out a lion i took out a bear and this uncircumcised philistine he's gonna be just like one of them i'm gonna take him out too i don't even need a sword all i need is a rock and a rag and i can take him out um and his brother was like what are you doing down here his older brother, David, was supposed to be keeping the sheep. Where, where are the sheep? Well, Who, who let you out? What do you do? I know how you are. I know the insolence of your heart. What are you doing down here? And look, what, look how David answered him. He said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Underline that. Is there not a cause? Think about our generation we got a cause in our generation. So there was a cause in his generation to defeat that giant and the Philistine armies. There was a cause in Jesus' time. Look at this. As he was talking to Pilate in John eighteen thirty seven. he says, For this what? Cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. And then there was a cause in Paul's generation. Paul was talking to Titus when he wrote this, this to him. He's like, for this cause, I left you in Crete. Because Titus, Titus wrote to, uh, to Paul saying, man, this place is a mess. Why do why you got me here? Let me come back with you. Well, this this place is all, These people are a mess. And look what, look what Paul said. He said, I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. In the, in the King James Version, he said, for this cause, I left you in Crete. There is a cause in our generation, Acceleration Church. There is a cause here, here, right here in Humble. There are people who don't know God. We're looking at a generation that is rejecting God a little bit more every day. We live in a generation that I never thought we would see with our eyes. But we're living in a generation of people who are rejecting God. They didn't even want the cross from World War I to stand anymore. They wanted to be a God consciousness to this generation. You know, um, it was 40 years ago that God called my pastor, Brother Don, to start a work in the 1960 area. I heard him tell his testimony so many times. He said he was driving down uh, down the freeway in his motorhome, preaching the gospel, and he said that he heard the spirit of God speak to him and say, "Start a work in the 1960 area. Start a work." And, and I, I memorized it because he said it so many times. Nearly every time he got up, he shared that testimony. I'm here because God said, "Start a work in the 1960 area," and as he was driving past the property on Tice Road, just before you get to Aldine Aldine uh, Melrout or Alding, Aldine Westfield. On the right, there's a street called Tice Road. If you go down that curvy street on the left, you'll come to what used to be Northfield Church. And uh, as he was driving past that property, the Spirit of God said, this is the property I want you to build on. And it was one miracle after another that caused him to be able to get that property and to begin to build that church. And he started with a mobile home on that, on that church, and he just began to obey God. There was a well on the property, and the well wouldn't work. They called out the well man, and uh, the well man said that that, that pump is not going to work because it is only so many feet deep. I had to drill a well across the street, and it was at least 200 feet deep deeper before I found water. He said, so that well ain't never going to work. He said, thank you, Mr. Wellman, you may leave. And he got some believers in his church to go out there and lay hands on that well. And that well is still pumping water to today. Hallelujah. He was a man of faith. And God told him to start a work in the 1960 area. And he built a church. And I tell you this story all the time because it's so, he, he told it us so much. It's, it's as much my story as it was his. That they gave him a whole mall called the Town and Country Mall. But he had no way to take it down. So he goes over there, gets out of his Buick with a crowbar and a blowtorch and got ready to take the first whack at it because he always said, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So he got up to go take the first whack at it. And when he did, a tractor trailer pulled up with a guy who said, are you that preacher that's going to take the steel down from this building and take it to the north side? He said, yes, I am. I'm the very one. He said, well, I've got a fleet of 18 wheelers and they're not doing anything right now. We'll come over and help you tear the roof off of it. So he took the steel from that mall, carried it to the north side, and he built a church. Do you have the pictures of that, Jennifer? And in that church, now I drove by there the other day. He built a barn, and uh, I remember when he was welding, and, and this barn was, this has been 20, 21 years ago since he died, but this was all pretty much, only the steel is the only thing holding it up. In fact, they store hay in it now, but that's the place where I got baptized, it's right inside that place that I gave my heart to Jesus. Right inside that place right there. And when I look at it, I think, God, oh, how hard he worked another twenty acres there, so twenty-eight acres all together. And we had a, a, a rope and arena. We we did cowboy church and hundreds of cowboys gave their heart to Jesus. Just tears streaming down their old rugged faces as they gave their heart to do that. But God had called them to do was done. And I believe it was in putting what he what he had in me, I, that was enough time for me to get it. Right. And there's still a work going on in the 1960 area. Amen. Right here in this place. So that's, that's him. That's my pastor with his hands on my shoulders. And I think how prophetic it is because I'm the one still carrying this work on. And still doing this work. And I decree, I believe, I know that we, Acceleration Church, have an assignment in this generation. To impart what was imparted to me. The stories of faith. To teach people how to use their faith. It's a calling that we have. Hallelujah. A work started in there. And the work was on a girl. Who was a mess. I was a mess when I got to the kingdom of God. But I was hungry. And I wanted what he had for me. And I'm telling you. He had a a sticker on the front door. Of the church that just said, don't quit. Everybody who left church every Sunday, raise your hand if you would, don't quit sticker. You know, Brother Don would, uh, you know, that was 25 years ago, August. 25 years ago in August that I got baptized, that I got saved, that I gave my heart to Jesus. 25 years ago, here I am, still 25 years later, still doing what I believe God has called me to do, Amen. So, so he, would, he would from time to time tell, ask his wife, he'd say, Sandra, go, go to my office and get tenacity. This is what it's going to take, tenacity, y'all, to, in order to, to, to get a hold of your destiny. Look, he's got a hold of destiny with his teeth because a bulldog will grab hold of something and lock his jaw and not let go. You can't pull it out of his mouth. So I need you to do, this is what I need you to do. I need you to be a tenacity today. I need you to get a hold of your destiny. Get a hold of our assignment as Acceleration Church. Say, this is not just Pastor Sally's call. This is our call. Amen. We all need to get grown up. We all need to get in firm foundation and get a solid foundation in his word. We all need to get baptized. We all need to say, no turning back, no turning back. Whenever there's somebody you see trying to slip and fall, say, no, you're not going to slip and fall on my watch. Get yourself to church. Amen. 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 So I need you to get a hold of your destiny and hold on to it. And see, he's got a hold of it with his mouth. He's got a hold of it with his mouth. You're going to get a hold of your destiny with your mouth. What's coming out of your mouth is real important. Amen. Don't derail your destiny with your mouth. But get a hold of it, lock on, and don't let go. So I just think it's fun every now and then to bring out the little dog that he used to bring out. And every time I'd see it, I'd get a little more solid, a little more... I'm not going to let go, Pastor. I'm not going to let go. I used to think, would I make it if anything bad really happened? I used to think back then. Stuff. So I'll have to write a book. Bring it on. Amen? And we all have our portion of the work to do. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.5. It says, we each carried our servant carried out our servant assignment. I planted the seed. Apollos watered the plants. But God made you grow. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who's at the center of this process, but God who makes things grow. Planting and watering are menial servant jobs at minimum wages. What makes them worth doing is the God we're serving. You happen to be God's field in which we are working. Saying I'm tremendously fruitful. Then 2 Timothy 2, 2 says, you've heard me teach things. Uh, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by by many reliable witnesses. Now look what it says. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Amen. And that's what we're doing. That's what firm foundation is all about. You get in firm foundation with Pastor Carolyn on Sunday mornings at 930. You don't have to sign up. You just show up. You walk through that white door right there next to the kitchen and just go in. Get here at 930. We'll give you a book. We'll give you um, a a pen to fill it out. When you leave, you'll, you'll know exactly what you learned. Amen. At the end of 12 weeks, you will be dangerous. You will have a foundation to stand on. As you, as you learn it and you start to do it in your life, you won't recognize yourself in 90 days. So see, we've got to impart to you so you can turn around and impart to someone else. That's when you go into leadership development. After you finish firm foundation, you go in over here with Dwight and with, um, with Nick and you go into leadership development. And you get raised up a leader. Why? What does he say? Commit these things to, to trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. You have a job to pass on the gospel. You have a job to get somebody saved. You have a job to get somebody filled with the Holy Spirit. You ought to know how to baptize somebody. You ought to know how to lay hands on somebody and get them healed. You ought to know how to release your faith with somebody. Amen. So so that's what ministry development is all about, which we're almost to. We're getting ready to start ministry development. So I need y'all to get finished with these other classes so you can get in on ministry development. Amen. Because that's we're raising up. I I just feel like I I just got to get imparted to you that I am here to raise you up. You are not here to just hang out and exist, but you got to get serious about getting raised up. I got to stand. There's a cause. There is a cause. There are people who need to see you stand and there are people you can reach that I can't reach. Amen. So you got to be faithful. Amen. There's a cause in humble. People need to know Jesus. People need to know how to use their faith. There are people who are hurting need to know he's a healing God. That he's a delivering God. That he'll heal you everywhere you hurt. We're handpicked to do something special in this generation. This generation's going haywire, drifting away from God. So we got to pull them back. Not on our watch. Amen? Amen? Not on our watch. So this is our season. Our season requires tenacity. It's so your next blank. Number one, our season, that, you, that you've got like a bulldog spirit. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to keep charging through. A bulldog is low to the ground. It's hard to flip a bulldog. Try to flip over a bulldog. Can't do it. So be hard to flip over. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, our season requires tenacity. Number two, it requires our voice. Your voice is important. Your, your unity is important. What you're speaking, what you're saying and declaring out of your mouth, it's important. Number three, it requires our witness. A witness tells what they know firsthand. Your witness is important. How you live is important. We cannot afford to live just any kind of way. We are salt and we are light. If you lose your saltiness, you're good for nothing. What good is salt if it's not salty? Just turn it in the road. Amen. So we're salt and we're light. So we gotta live holy, amen. Live right. I'm not saying you're not gonna make a mistake, or you're not gonna, you know. I'm not saying you gotta be weird either. Walk around with your hands folded all the time, looking sad. That's that's not the will of God, amen. Be happy, enjoy your life. You you Christians have much more fun because we don't have hangovers, we don't have drama. Hallelujah! It's a lot more fun to be a Christian, amen. All right. Uh, it requires our witness. Number four, it requires our faith. We need to be using our faith together. That's why God found him a man who'd just get in faith with him, Abraham. Amen. He's found us in our generation. has called us out from among them so that we can be different. Hallelujah. It requires our faith. We're models. Visible manifestation of living out the will of God. Hebrews 6:10 through 11 says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you've shown towards his name, in that you've ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope till the end, that you do not become sluggish. Amen. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So that goes, you know, along with number four, that it requires our faith. People need to be able to imitate our faith. Amen. They need to see our faith and see our faith in action so that they can imitate it. So we're marked for this generation. And what I see that is so cool about God is that as we give to support the vision in this generation, it rebounds with blessing back into our lives. He puts you here to support the kingdom of God and to and to um, support his vision for Acceleration Church for right now. He put you here for that, to sow into it, to give into it, to serve into it with all that we have. Amen? He put us here for that. And as we do that, prosperity rebounds back into our lives. So there's always a vision God's gotten every season for us to give into, to believe in, to carry it out until the next generation comes and takes the baton from us and we rest from our labors. Hallelujah. Looking forward to that day. Glory to God. Not too much, though, because I enjoy the work of God. I enjoy it a whole lot. All right, Matthew six thirty three says, but seek first what? Now, now, did he say seek it last, somewhere in the middle, or just something? He says, how? First, Would you put a circle around that? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Like I said last week, you need to declare to your whole family, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We are going to seek God With with all that we have, he's going to be first in our lives. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what happens? All these things shall be added to you. You know, when my my pastor was doing his uh, cowboy church thing, I I, I gave like crazy. He wanted to do cowboy church. He's like, we need some cows. I'm like, okay, Pastor, let's get some cows. I funded the cows. I funded paying for the cows. I mean, cows are something else. You could put money in one end and watch it come out the other. Same thing with horses. Everything that looks like mud ain't. But whatever my pastor was doing, I was giving into it with my time, with my talent, with my treasure. I was there. You know, I had to get, I had to, get to church early for praise team practice. I sang on the praise team. Um, I, after praise, praise team practice was over, I'd go grab some lunch real quick, go home, get changed, and get down to the barn because we, we let children ride ponies on Sunday mornings so i would get down there so that the kids could ride ponies cuz ponies are little demons in fur yeah they they want to kick and bite and and they're mean they'll hold their lip up and bite kids and buck and they're they're horrible so i'd have to go down there and watch and make sure these kids didn't get hurt with these with these uh, ponies that they wanted to ride so badly but you know i did that and then i had to be for, for, we had church on Sunday nights too. So then I'd leave there and I'd go on Sunday night. I would go um, for praise team practice before church on, on Sunday night. And then after we got finished with church, I'd go down to the barn, saddle up my horse and get it over to the rope and arena because uh, cowboys would rope horses in the evenings. So my Sundays were full. And I, and I enjoyed every second of it. Every moment, I mean, I gave and gave and gave into, the, into that ministry. If my pastor said he needed, um, like, fuel for his tractor for the week, he loved to just get on the tractor. He would hear from God on the tractor. I'd put a $100 bill on his pulpit just so he wouldn't have to worry about gas. He could get as much gas for that tractor as he needed to. Amen, because I, I love that he would hear from God. The word that was coming across the pulpit was changing my life. It was changing my life. I wanted him to hear from God. And I'm not saying that because I want you to put a $100 bill on the pulpit. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that's just what God had me to do for my pastor. And it blessed him. He'd come up. He'd see it. He'd go, oh, glory to God. He'd hold it up. Glory to God. He started out preaching happy. (laughs) Because I loved being a blessing to him. He was blessing my life. My life was seriously messed up. And I'm telling you, things began to make sense. That God had a, a spiritual reason for me to be here. So I did, I did, I did all that I could. And I'm telling you, prosperity rebounded back in my life so much. My photography studio that I owned became so prosperous. I couldn't even fit all the people on my schedule that were, they were wanting to come in to have pictures taken. I couldn't even fit them all on there. I had to turn people away and a whole nother studio blew up because I sent them all the business I couldn't take anymore. I couldn't fit. Amen. He says, I'll open up the windows of heaven and I pour you out such blessing you will not have room enough to receive it. Give and it shall be given unto you good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall be put into your bosom, or with the same measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. I gave like I was crazy because I believed in his vision. I believed in it. When I saw cowboys get saved, I'm like, Oh my God, we are really doing something here. No telling how many people have gotten saved as a result of that that Because they got saved. Hallelujah. It it matters, y'all. There's a cause in this generation. And it's it's up to us to do it. Now let's look at number three: due season. Galatians six nine. It says, "And let us not, not the proper time, the set time, the appropriate time." So what do we what do we do until due season arrives? He said, "If we if we just keep going, you know, if we don't if we don't quit, if we don't grow weary, in due season we'll reap. If we don't lose heart, if we don't lose heart, if we don't grow weary. So we have to learn how to." Process time. All right, come on. We have to learn how until the time is there, what do I do while I'm processing time? Habakkuk 3.3 says that the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it won't lie. Though it tarries or though it's slow, wait for it because it will surely come, it will not tarry or it won't be behind hand, it won't be late. It's going to be right on time, amen? There's a reason for the season to be at the time that God has scheduled it. We think God is slow. We think maybe, what am I doing wrong? My, why is this not happening? Am I doing something wrong? Is my church doing something wrong? What's, some, what's wrong? Why is my due season not here? I think personally it should have been here a long time ago. But God is doing something amazing. God is making a masterpiece. Things have got to intersect at just the right time. So you've got to be good with the Wait you got to be patient. And during that time, he's growing you. Patience, let it have its perfect work. You'll be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So you've got to let patience, let it work you over. Look at this Psalm, Psalm 102, 13. It says, you will arise, O Lord. You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. So there's a set time for God to favor you. A set time for favor to come on your life. Acts 1, 7 through 8. This is where the disciples asked Jesus. He said, he said um, he, Jesus told them, he said, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out just like I said that he would. And they said, well, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And here's Jesus' response. He says, this is not for you to know times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. There's some study. See, God doesn't let you know the timing. If You think if God would have told me in 2003 that 16 years later I'm still believing for it to come? What do you think I would have said? Holla, God. (laughs) If I'd have known. What do you think Abraham would have said? If he'd have known it was going to be like 25 years before they had that first baby. 25. What do you think Abraham would have said? Oh, God, I don't know, man. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know about this. See, he doesn't let you know the timing. See, it's in his authority. But look what it is mine to do. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So you've got power to wait. You've got power. you got the grace for every weakness. You've got the grace to get you there. Amen. He's not going to be late. You're not going to be one day early, but you're not going to be one day late either. It's got to intersect right on time. Woo! Okay, let's talk about Hannah for a minute. Hannah had a barren season. Hannah was unable to have a child. She had a, a husband named Elkanah. She had a, he had a sister wife, which there was a sister wife named Panaya. And Peninnah had, uh, so it was Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and, and Peninnah. Panaya could have kids. She had, she had lots of kids, but Hannah couldn't have any kids. And Panaya used to give Hannah a hard time. Oh, you ain't got no kids, have you? Got to borrow some baby oil? Oh, I forgot you ain't got no babies. Used to just make her feel terrible about the fact that she couldn't have any babies. So, Hannah, you know, it's a terrible thing to feel like you don't have something that everybody else has. Nobody else has a problem with this. Why am I having a problem with it? There must be something wrong with me. Must be something wrong. I must have disappointed God somehow. God must be upset with me. All the things that you think when you're barren and, and no one else is. doesn't have to just be babies. It can be anything else. Why do they get a good job? Why am I still sweating and laboring in this thing right here when God knows it's been the desire of my heart? A barren place. Why is my marriage all jacked up when I see somebody else has got a great marriage? Why are my kids acting a fool? When I've raised them in church and they know better and this person just comes in and their kids are great. Why am I barren in this area? What's going on? What did I do wrong? That's what we do. We we think we did something wrong. We think it's us. And it's not us. It's the earth. So they came every year to Jerusalem to go and to worship God and to bring their offerings before the Lord. Every year they would do that. So here they are. Everybody's eating. Hannah won't even eat. She's so upset she won't even eat. Well, Hannah decides she's over it. I don't know if, if Panaya did one more thing, just put her over the edge, but she says she's over it. She wouldn't even eat. She got up and she went to the temple. And she goes in and she, she gets before the Lord and she pours her heart out before the Lord. She, she made such a ruckus and acted so almost out of control that Eli, the priest, looked at her and said, that girl must be drunk. And he goes in there and he says, get out of here. You're in the, Why are you drunk in church? Get out of here. Give me a son. She said, I'll give him back to you. Just all the days of his life, he'll belong to you. Just give me a son. And so her lips only moved. He never heard what she said. Eli the priest never heard what her prayer was. Did y'all hear me? He never heard what her prayer was. But she came to him and she said, Sir, I haven't been drinking, but I'm crushed in my spirit and I've poured my heart out before God. And, 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 and I've just made my petition known before God. He said, he didn't even tell her you're going to have a son. He didn't even need to know what it was. He just got in agreement with her and said, go your way. You're going to have that child. So she received that thing. And the Bible says she went home and her face wasn't sad anymore. I can't go on like that. Had it with your barrenness. When you've really had it with with somebody making fun of you. When you've really had it with your situation. You will get up and seek God in a way that like you've never sought him before. You'll seek him with some purpose. You'll come not with some Religious gobbledygook, but you'll come to him with your whole heart. Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you've asked of him. He didn't even know what it was. And she said, Look, look, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way, and look what she did. She ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew. Hannah, his wife, that means they had praise and worship together. Amen. And the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time. On, Underline that. In the process of time. It doesn't say whether it was six months. It doesn't say whether it was a year. It doesn't say whether it was four or five years. It doesn't say whether it was 12 years or 10 years. It does not say in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel saying because I have changed her attitude she changed her attitude it said that her, she got up she went her way she ate and her face was no longer sad when you really receive that thing you're not going to be sad anymore I don't need anybody to think I'm pitiful I don't need anybody to have pity on me I don't need anybody to feel sorry for me I've received that thing I don't even care if you make fun of me anymore because you just hide and watch boo Amen. Amen. So she changed her attitude. She got control of her emotions. She received it before she ever left to go home. It was as good as done to her. She had an attitude of faith. And she said, look, this is what you got to do. You got to stop looking and lamenting over what's barren. What's not there? Stop looking at it. Stop lamenting over it. Stop whining and crying. Stop focusing on it. Don't let the barrenness be the object of your, of, uh, of your focus. The object of my focus is that I've received that thing. She was already thinking about what she was going to name him. She was already thinking about how she was going to dress him. She was already thinking about the day that she would go and present him before the Lord in the temple. Hallelujah. So don't focus on the barrenness. Stop focusing on that. Stop it. Amen? So she changed her attitude. Number two, it said that they got up early. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. So she worshiped early in the morning. That is such a good key right there. Psalm 63, 1 through 4 says, Oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Before I seek anything else, before I even seek a cup of coffee, I'm going to seek you, God, with all my heart. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you. While I live, I will lift up my hands in your name. When you worship first thing in the morning, it puts your day in perspective. It puts things in perspective. God, you are my God and there is no other. Your loving kindness, your tender mercies, it's better than life. Anything I'm going to face today, you're bigger and better than it, God. I worship you today. Come on, it puts things in perspective. If you're going to get past the barrenness and move into your to your season, you process time by worshiping God. Change your attitude. Fix your face. And get up and lift your hands to the Lord. Get up and lift up a worship. Bow down and worship the Lord. And then number three, she did what needed to be done, which means she and her hubby had some special time together. They had some special time together. See, a lot of times we get so super spiritual that we don't want to do the part that we have to do. We still have to do our part. It's not magic. We still have to do our part. So in the process of time, if you believe in God to have a baby, you got to have them praise and worship time. Just you and hubby. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. It's good to be married. It's real good to be married. Hallelujah. <laughs> so you got, <laughs> you, got to, you got to do what you got to do. You got to do your part. I like to say God's a good checker player. He won't move if it's your turn. Amen. You got to do your part. When you step out, that's where the power of God meets you. Amen. And so sometimes we need to just stop being so super spiritual. Deuteronomy 28-12 says, the Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens. Look at this now. Look at this. This is very powerful. And if you don't, if you don't stop for a second and listen, you'll miss it. The Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless you while you sit on your butt. On. No, no, no. Are, are, to bless you while you sit on your behind. No. no, no, no. no. To bless all the work of your hand. Woo! That's revelation for somebody right there. Amen. He will bless the work of my hands. That means you got to... Amen. We cooperate with him. All right, number four. She waited for God to do his part. In the process of time. It said in the process of time. We have to know how to process time. And this is how we do it, these things that I'm telling you. In the process of time, in the right season, God remembered...